0: Welcome into the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. It's Friday, April 1st. JP Shadrick with the best of a busy week on Jaguars Radio, Jaguars.com, and of course our streaming platforms JAGS, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Coming up, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network on a couple top defensive prospects, plus former NFL defensive end Chris Long discusses what Doug Peterson brings to an organization. But we begin this week with the NFL annual meeting at the Breakers in Palm Beach, Florida. Jaguars owner Shad Khan sat down with senior writer John Osher, and there's been plenty of change around the organization through Khan's first
1: decade as owner. You seem fired up about what's going on now, and Mm -hmm. I know you always are. You're a positive Mm -hmm. person. But there has seen something different about the way you feel about this going forward.
2: Yeah, you know, it's like something you kind of feel in your bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like a feeling certainly I haven't had, right. okay? Where it's, uh, you don't have, I mean, the, I think uh, the collective thinking and the whole, uh, the big picture. Right. Uh, And then uh, the vibe, uh, you know, the level of confidence, the level of experience with the coaches. Um, Really, um, you know, I've worked in environments, you know, primarily factories, offices where there were no walls and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're all sitting together. Um, You know, we've had the structure, obviously, in the Performance Center. We're going to have, you know, basically visual control. You can see who is. but I did that right after we you know uh, we got to Jacksonville where we could to eliminate that we wanted to see, but visual control. Um, and you know I love that now with right. coaches that you walk in the hallway. people are standing, talking, drawing uh, plays and right. the collaboration, Uh, You know, so early in the season, it's really great to see.
0: The full ShotKhan interview available on Jaguars.com. And on the Jaguars Reporters Podcast Monday afternoon, Osher gave us a little more insight to his conversation with the Jaguars owner. And it's not very often that Mr. Khan is on the record, but uh, it always is news when he speaks, John. What was the biggest takeaway from ShotKhan today?
1: About three or four questions in, I not so subtly reminded him that he just finished writing a lot of checks. (laughs) <laughs> and he, uh, he laughed and said, yes, I did. And, but he said, you know, I'm alluding of course to free agency. And he said, uh, uh, happy to write those checks because the overall feeling is that they got better with it. It struck me. And maybe this wasn't what he said, but as he was saying it, I was struck by it again, this whole notion that, uh, you know, somehow over the years he hasn't spent money or hasn't been willing to open up the checkbooks, which to me, every time I get a question like that, it sort of slaps me back of how, Sometimes people miss things because nothing can be further from the truth. And, again, sitting there talking to him today, I'm, I'm always reminded, and all, all three of you have talked to him as well, this guy wants to win. And everything he does is, is about winning. He talked also at the very beginning, you know, he's genuinely thinks that there's a different vibe in the building. He's been there. He kept referring back to being there 10 years. And I really think there's something to that for him he's got the experience now it takes a while to learn to be an nfl owner and three or four different times while i talked to him he talked about having been there 10 years the feel for it and he genuinely thinks and i think we all kind of feel it's a different vibe and he it's different than what he has felt at any time in the first 10 years
0: Well it'd be better, who
1: knows, but that feeling's real.
0: Another big piece of the NFL annual meeting, the AFC coaches breakfast Monday morning. Doug Peterson was asked about the tone of his conversations so far with the players, plus his history of going for it on fourth down, and the addition of key players in free agency.
3: Well, obviously right now it's just on the surface. You know, we're we're not doing anything football, you know, with them and it's really kind of me getting to know them and them getting to know me, and that's I think that's the number one thing that uh, with a new head coach, you know, for them, uh, just kind of gaining gaining their trust, you know, this offseason and trying to build that anytime I get a chance to run into the guys. Impressions of them as you talk to them overall? Just, just I've been, yeah, I've been, I've been real impressed with them. Um, you know, and they, they just want to win. They just want to win. That's kind of been the, the general theme with all the guys. And, you know, it's uh, it's really a good locker room, it's a young locker room. And, uh, you know, we just got to get them to come together and, uh, you know, find the leaders of the group and, and get them going. Aggressiveness on fourth down has yeah, steadily yeah. climbed. And last year it was the most ever. And I think guys are completing, converting, like,
4: over 50% or, like, high. But do you feel like you played a small role in that
3: based upon your success in 2017? Well, I, I think I think if you go back to 17, um, and listen, I wasn't, I wasn't going into 17 trying to be a trendsetter you know we're trying to do what we can to win football games and anytime that we can any oh, thank you. anytime that we can maybe steal a possession on offense you know we were going to try to do that uh... back then and i think i think because of that i think you're seeing more and more teams uh, around the league you know the fourth and ones and fourth and twos you know making those decisions to stay on the field now you know they're being smart about it field position all of that um, but I think they're understanding that they can have that extra possession and hopefully that translates into points. How the analytics play into it? A little bit. You know, you have, to, you have to listen to the analytics. You have to listen to, you know, what they say. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's about the players and, and our opponent. How, how is our opponent in those third and one, fourth and one, fourth and twos? How do they play defense? And so it boils down ultimately to the head coach making the decision. But analytics can play a small part in in helping me in making a decision to go for it or not.
1: Because we're so active in the first week of free agency, what are the, the specific things you've added that give you confidence about how big a step you can take this year? Right
3: well, number one, you know, we always look at our own roster first. And, and we, we try to re-sign as many of our guys as possible. Um, that's just the nature of free agency. We're going to lose some. You know, and as we uh, put our plan together, when I say we, you know, Trent Baalke, uh the, the, the pro personnel side, the coaching side, as we came together and put our plan together, you know, we targeted um, certain positions that, that we, needed, we needed help. And we also targeted them based on we might lose a guy to free agency that we have to – you know, uh, fulfill. And, you know, we, 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 what, we, we signed seven guys, right? And seven guys that can help us, you know, this year, I don't think you want to go into free agency signing seven guys every year. I don't think that's the model. Um, and now we have the draft coming up that we can also help. And, uh, you know, with 12 draft picks, bring in more of that talent, bring in more depth, bring in more competition, uh, is what you want. But the guys we signed, are going to be impact players, you know, right away.
0: The full Doug Peterson press conference available on the Jaguars' social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Reaction to Peterson's arrival in Jacksonville this week from former NFL defensive end Chris Long. He was the second overall pick in the 2008 draft, and he played eight seasons with the St. Louis Rams, won Super Bowl 51 in his lone season with the Patriots, and then finished his career with the Eagles under Peterson, including a win, of course, in Super Bowl 52. Long joined Ashwin Sullivan and Brian Sexton on Jags Drive Time Tuesday morning.
5: All right, so we are starting to get to know Coach Peterson. He has been here a couple months, and... Everyone we talk to is, wow, he is such a great guy. But I know you might see a different side of him. Is he as good of a guy as everyone tells us?
4: Coach is an incredible guy. He's the type of guy that, honestly, I always tell people this. He can kind of you know pick his battles as a coach, um, and players will go to the wall for him uh, because he works you hard, but you don't even realize it half the time because you're having fun. It's competitive. <laughs> and he treats you like uh, an equal. I mean, he was a former player. I was on some of his uh, leadership councils and some of the things that he did behind closed doors where he involved the players and looped them in on decisions and that sort of thing. And I think a lot of times pro coaches, their egos are a little too big or they don't want to bend to players. And I think Doug walked that line really well, still running a tough program, working us hard, but also like having enough fun so that it balanced out.
5: And I know that you were pretty vocal when Coach Peterson left Philadelphia. And I read your tweets where you said he's going to get another shot soon. So when he got this shot here in Jacksonville, what was your reaction?
1: It felt like a
4: great fit. You know, um, I think he can do a lot for for Trevor. Um, I think he can do a lot for kind of the the vibe of a team. He's kind of the opposite of the situation that y'all are emerging from. I mean, he's he's the type of guy that, you know, players are absolutely going to universally love. And he's going to be a really competent guy who's been there, done that on the pro level. Uh, You know, he's won a Super Bowl. He's stabilized the locker room uh, in tough situations. Like, you know, I know there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on on teams that that struggle. Um, And I've been on teams that struggle. I've been in situations like the Jaguars were last year. I mean, I played most of my career in St. Louis. So I feel like uh, I'm pretty qualified to say like the type of guy that could could help a situation like that. And I think Doug is the perfect guy from an energy standpoint, a confidence standpoint, um, just the, you know, kind of the the stones to make the right calls, the bold calls. I mean, he's done that in Super Bowls. And, you know, our team had a lot of ups and downs over those couple of years and he helped us navigate all those waters. I mean, we lost Carson Wentz in L.A. and went on the road and won a Super Bowl. Um, you know, the next couple of weeks. So um, he's a great coach and he's seen it all, I feel like, just in a short tenure in Philly, relatively speaking.
5: Yeah, you mentioned a guy that's been there, done that, that consistency. And, and we keep bringing up a Super Bowl champion coach here in Jacksonville. What does that do for a locker room? I mean, you've been in a locker room for many, many years. When you have a Super Bowl champion in there as a coach, does it mean anything? Does it do anything?
4: I think it does. I only say that because when I got to the Eagles, and when Legarrette Blount got to the Eagles, and a couple of us have won a Super Bowl, people really give you credibility, whether that's warranted or not. As a player, you know, people are always asking, you know, what the what can we do better? What are the keys to to getting there? The whole thing. And I think when you have a coach who's won it, he oversaw that whole operation. So you know, it's it's infinitely more um, impressive to be a Super Bowl head coach because like. You were the one who had to manage and, you know, preside over all 53 people on the roster, all three phases of football. You know, it's one thing to have player experience winning a Super Bowl. But I think a coach that wins a Super Bowl, especially in the fashion that we did, having to win games a bunch of different ways. I mean, we, we beat the Raiders, I think, like 13-7 or something to, to secure home field advantage. Um, we beat the Rams on the road in a high scoring game. You know, we, we scored 40 points basically two weeks in a row through the NFC championship and the Super Bowl. And that's what it took to win. We also <laughs> won a, a low scoring game against the, um, the Falcons in the playoffs. So he's won every different way. Um, his experience as a coach through that playoff run is, is such a huge thing when it comes to the locker room and giving a coach clout and credibility. More
0: from Jags Drive Time coming up a little later with NFL Network analyst Daniel Jeremiah. Plus, we'll hear from Bucky Brooks on the importance of building a foundation of communication in the organization. And finally, a goodbye to retiring center Brandon Linder.
6: All that after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams "Do Ball" exclusively from TIAA Bank.
0: Welcome back to the Jaguars broadcast week in review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. The Jaguars are future focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season as head coach Doug Peterson and quarterback Trevor Lawrence lead the charge. To lock in your seats, visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. And as a Jaguars season ticket member, you'll get access to exclusive experiences, events, and player appearances. Don't miss your chance to be part of the future. Visit Jaguars.com slash tickets for all the details. And new season tickets are on sale now. Let's continue with this week's Huddle Up podcast. NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks joins John Osher and me each Wednesday afternoon. And this week, more conversation about the communication and collaboration between head coach Doug Peterson and his coaching staff with general manager Trent Baalke and his personnel and scouting staffs. Good start, Bucky, it sounds like, right? Now, there's the, the question is moving it forward, getting through the draft, getting to the
7: offseason program, getting to the season. Uh, that's when we'll really find out. Yeah, no, I I think it's a really good start. And I'll say this, having known Doug for a long time, having played with Doug uh, during our time together in Green Bay, and also having known a lot of the mentors that he's had, um, this is what I would expect it to be like. Um, Having played for Coach Hongren, having played and worked under Andy Reid, a lot of the stuff that Doug is doing are things that were done in those walls with those teams, having known both of those guys. And so I'm not surprised that it's a collaboration where you're seeing guys have better communication, um, front office, the coaching staff, coaching staff, the players, coaches, and front office members to maybe people around the building that may be on the other side of the aisle. Um, Look, man, football, as much as it is a tactical game, it's about relationships. It's about building bonds where the players trust that you have their best interests at heart. And there's an ak- commitment and accountability that comes along with building that. And what you're seeing is Doug trying to build those bonds in the building. So everybody feel, good, feels good about the direction of the program. And I think you can sense it because that's who, who he is naturally. But I also think that's part of the team building process. I've said this for a long time before we, the Jags can win on the field. Everything behind the scenes has to be right and connected, and I feel like from the outside in that you're beginning to see some of the connectivity that's necessary to be a championship team.
1: You want to make that collaborative process absolutely beautiful, JP. What's that, John? If Trevor's good, that helps. <laughs> it certainly does help. <laughs> then there'll be more collaboration. <laughs> oh, you just take a stick at. Uh, yeah, everybody.
0: It's uh, kumbaya. Yes, and
1: uh, I don't know if you uh, if you heard or read the story that I wrote from Doug Peterson's availability on Monday, JP. I think you did read it because... Uh, uh, that's my job, yes. Because you have to. Yeah. Um, but he talked... I thought he moved the story forward a little bit, Bucky, when he talked about how much he likes, how accurate Trevor is in play action, how accurate he is outside the pocket. He talked a lot about uh, Trevor's ability in the quarterback movement game. Mm-hmm. It seems sort of logical that that's how he would use Trevor, but it was the first time that I had heard Doug talk about that after really diving into what Trevor can do well. I'm assuming he's spent a lot of time watching Trevor on film since February 6th. And uh, it sounds to me like he certainly uh, believes that uh, movement and that element of Trevor's game is going to be a huge part of it.
7: Uh, it's, It's one of those things that I think we all have seen Trevor flash and do those things. We all kind of wanted to see a little more of that his rookie season. For whatever reason, some of that stuff wasn't done. But the easiest way to help a young quarterback is to use play action, and what I would say bootlegs or movement play action, where you're faking the ball one way, you're coming out the back door, it allows you to not only move the defense with deception, but you also cut the field in half to make the reads easier for the quarterback to see clearly where the ball should go. And knowing Doug Peterson's work with quarterback, because he's been able to get every quarterback up and running, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, even Jalen Hurst, what he has always done a really good job of, is digging deep into their background to see what they did really well and building the plan from those elements. And so when we go back and look at what Trevor did well at Clemson, he could move, he could run, he could do a lot of those things. Well, now you add that to what are some basic concepts that have been used throughout the years in the pros, the basic bootleg passing game and all that other stuff, yeah, it's easier to build a package where he should be able to be efficient while steadily evolving from game manager to playmaker at the position.
0: The Huddle Up podcast runs Wednesday afternoons on the official Jaguars podcast network on iHeartRadio. We switch gears now to the NFL draft coming up in just a few weeks. Another guest on Jags Drive Time Tuesday, NFL Network analyst Daniel Jeremiah. The Jaguars have the number one overall pick, and Jeremiah broke down a pair of top defensive prospects.
5: (laughs) What do you think right now for the number one overall pick for the Jaguars? Could they even trade it back? There are so many options.
8: Yeah, there are definitely options here. You know, I I think the trade back thing would be kind of dependent on everyone being convinced that the Lions were going to take a quarterback, Um, you know, that maybe you could try and uh, nudge the Carolina Panthers potentially to come up. I guess that's one scenario you could look at. Um, But outside of that, I mean, to me, if they're stuck there and they're picking there, all the signs to me point towards an edge rusher and all the signs make the most sense to me with Aiden Hutchinson. I I just think, you know, I think he's the best player in the draft personally. I think it's a position of need. I don't have any questions of what he does on the field. You see the production. um, He's got a variety of ways to get to the quarterback. He can play the run. So he's a complete player. And then off the field, everything that you know you hear about from a leadership standpoint is, is off the charts. So uh, that to me is, is where all the signs would point. And I, you know, I've used this analogy to me. It's just you're parking that ball right in the middle of the fairway with a guy like Aiden Hutchinson.
6: You know, Daniel, when I watched him at Michigan, and I know comparisons are tough to make, but he had a J.J. Watt kind of impact on the game. It didn't matter where they put him. didn't matter whether it was the run or the pass. He just had this distinct ability to make a play on the ball. Who, who does he look like to you in terms of an NFL player?
8: Yeah, you know, it's hard to come up with a comparison for him. Um, you know, there's been so many different names that have been thrown out there. I guess the one that I kind of fall back on most is, is Jared Allen. And, you know, I always laugh because you get grief like, oh, just comparing the white defensive end to the other uh, white defensive ends. Um, but he that's who he reminds me of just from a, a standpoint of his tenacious I was talking to somebody that was at his pro day, one of the coaches that helped uh, kind of run him through the drills and said, this guy's, this guy has got a, a limitless, uh, tank, you know, like you try and gas defensive linemen out because a lot of times you get sacks, like the difference between, uh, you know, somebody who gets eight sacks and somebody who gets 14 sacks is really, it's really not that much what it is. It's those guys, those extra sacks, those extra six sacks. A lot of times, They're just off persistence and effort, and there's just no slowdown to this dude at all. So with the J.J. Watt comparison uh, that you made with with Jared Allen, that's what those guys did. They made a living on that.
6: So is there any smoke or or any fire, I should say, or is it all smoke with with Trayvon Walker climbing? And does he belong in the conversation at the top of the draft, or is that just a rising player uh, in your estimation? Well, I
8: was joking with a buddy uh, in the league this morning about this because I love Trayvon Walker and I've I've got him all the way up to he's my sixth player. Um, I feel like I've I've been you know kind of driving the bus a little bit on him and trying to tell people that this dude's going to go way up there. He's a really good player. I remember my first or uh, gosh one of my first mock drafts I had him going five to the Giants before the combine. And the Giants fans lost their minds. There's no way this guy can go up there with the fifth overall pick. You know, like, no, no, he's pretty good now. Um, yeah. And so now he's, he's launched himself all the way up into the discussion for the first overall pick. Um, I couldn't, I, as much as I love him, he's my sixth player. I couldn't justify that over Aiden Hutchinson uh, just because I know what I'm buying with Aiden Hutchinson. There is some projection still there uh, with Walker. But in terms of doing your due diligence, doing your homework and him you know, be in the discussion with that pick. Yeah, I think that's I think that's reasonable. Jags Drive Time airs
0: Tuesdays at 10 a.m. on Jaguars.com and, of course, the Jags' social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Center Brandon Linder calls it a career. An overview after this. Welcome back. Let's wrap this week with Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Thursday afternoon. Jeff Lagerman and I got into the retirement of center Brandon Linder after eight seasons. And what could be next for him?
9: Even though he has had some injury issues, which prohibited from playing full season for this football team, you talk about a really good football player that when he was on the field, he was arguably the best lineman on the field for the Jaguars. Not to mention a a top quality guy who did things the right way, and he was a total pro. And, uh, and I got a lot of respect for him because of the way he's always gone about his business because he played in an era that only had one really good season. But Brandon Linder came to work every offseason, came uh, into the season, and was the best at his best from a physical standpoint and did everything that he needed to do to prepare for a season. So I have a lot of respect for Brandon Linder. So congratulations to him. You said it, too. He he missed 41 games in eight
0: seasons. That is a lot of time well, off to the side. But And, and, I, and I, I,
9: I, I think that wears on you, obviously,
0: physically because you're getting banged up. But mentally, too, you're trying to go out there. If he's that much of a professional, which he is, you want to be out there playing and And having to rehab all the time, and and then you're thinking about the future after football, too. It's just time.
9: And look, I'm obviously maybe a little bit slanted in in the opinion of Brandon Leonard because, I mean, I'm, I'm a friend. He's a friend of mine. And uh, uh, I, I like Brandon and, and was trading texts with him after the announcement was made. I actually was trading some texts with him beforehand saying, hey, did you figure out your football life? And, and he just said, I'm still working on it. And I said, well, you know, best of luck with it and all that kind of stuff. And so anyway, when he made the, Im- the announcement, I, I said, you know, congratulations to him. You know he, he had uh, he's got eight years in. Uh, he did very well. He made good money playing in the National Football League, and uh, and I'm sure that he saved some of that money. But you know, there there comes a point I think in every player's career that when you start having injuries, because I went through some of the same things, that when you start having injuries, you have to start to weigh what's worth it. Okay, uh, you're, you look, because you know, look, the money's always great. I mean, know, and, and if it's just a question about money, you're going to keep playing until you get kicked out because the money's incredible in the National Football League. But but the questions and the answers and the solutions are always more about money. It's about health. It's about uh, a way of life. It's about making sure that there are certain components of your physical and mental well-being that are going to be intact for the remainder of your life. And so I think he made the best decision for him. I wish him all the best. I know he's not going anywhere. He's a huge fan of Jacksonville. Uh, he's going to be in Jacksonville for for a long period of time, and and I'm looking forward to maybe doing some things with Brandon, you know, because he's going to have the time to do it.
0: I was going to say, uh, I have a feeling Brandon might make an appearance on the outdoors show from time been time. worked on.
9: <laughs> it already is. Yeah, it's already already been worked on. See? Exactly.
0: The full conversation of what the Jags could do next at center, including the newly re-signed Tyler Shatley. All that's available on the archive of Jags Happy Hour on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. The show airs live each Wednesday at 4 o'clock on 1010XL AM Radio in Jacksonville and on the Jags social media channels. That wraps another busy week at TIAA Bank Field. NFL draft prep continues inside the building, and remember, we're a little over a week away from the start of the off-season program—that's April 11th. Visit jaguars.com and the Jaguars social media channels for the latest. And all the podcasts are available on the free iHeartRadio app on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks for listening. I'm JP Shadman. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review podcast, presented by TIAA Bank.